Welcome back from spring break. Welcome back to the Old Gold and Black Weekly Sports Podcast. I'm Jake Stewart. He's Jack McKenney. Let's get started. Let's move on right into baseball, Jake. They are 14-3 and to start off the season. They picked up wins against UMass Lowell, Central Michigan, and then lost their first game of the season to Coastal Carolina. So continued that winning streak for a bit, Jake. It's been hot. Yep. And then they bounced back with a win against George Mason. Then, of course, we had the highly anticipated conference play. Jake, tell us a little bit about it. So Florida State, number eight in the country. Jack, this was the biggest test of the year because obviously a tough season last year for the Deeks. It was a great start, but it was all non-conference play. So everybody said, all right, wait until that first conference week. We'll see how they do. They won game one in dominant fashion, nine to three. They did lose games two, five to one, and then game three, three to two. But Jack, what, what does that mean as a Wake fan? Well, first off, it's great to see what Rhett Lauder establishes presence as a number one ace, getting a big win against, you know, a really good team. Because we had questions about, you know, if he was a number one ace. And he really established himself, which is really key for this team. Also, as a baseball player myself, you know, the last two games were double headers, which kind of does mess with the rhythm. And, you know, it's just, it kind of messes up the overall vibe of the games. It's disappointing we couldn't win two out of three, but there's light at the tunnel, certainly, mm-hmm. for this team. And, you know, they showed... A lot of resolve, and at least we got one win, you know, against a really good, talented team. I will team say, too, the, the two things that really stood out to me, not only can this team hang with opponents in the ACC, they, they already showed that, but they only gave up 11 runs in the entire series. And, and the pitching was the weak spot of last year. The pitching has clearly improved. You already talked about with Rhett Lauder. And Pierce Bennett, I mean, he's been on a tear. He's hitting 426 this year with 23 hits already. And we mentioned the, the pitching. With the pitching, you know, obviously uh, uh, limiting the runs, Wake has yet to give up more than five runs on this season. Yeah, I mean, you love to see that, right? Because that was the biggest question mark coming into this season, right? Losing first-round pick mm-hmm. Ryan Cusick. All those guys that they lost, even though they didn't have great seasons, went to the draft because they're still really quality arms. So it's good to see the new recruits, new generation, kind of moving in there and really getting the job done for the pitching staff. And, you know, it's going to take a little time for the offense to click, I think, in ACC play, but I have no doubt that they can get the job done for sure. Speaking of pitching, Crawford Wade earned his first win of his collegiate career on Tuesday against Western Carolina. He recorded eight outs while only giving up two hits. Offensively, the Deeks are fourth in the country in runs scored, fifth in home runs in total bases, sixth in team batting average at 333, and 10th in hits. Wow. Very wow. impressive. That's, that just speaks of a team that should be ranked, Jack, and we'll Rake see. Rake Forest. We will see, yeah, exactly. Let's move on to women's golf. They finished second out of 16 teams in the North Rob Grumman Regional Challenge in Palos Verdes, California. And guess who succeeded, Jake? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess. Can I, can I guess? Is it Rachel, we give is her a shout-out every podcast. Is it Rachel Keen? Rachel, <laughs> Rachel Keen won her second individual title of the year and the fourth of her career fourth most wins in Wake Forest history as she tied her career low of 10 under par. Wow. What Incredible. a day for her. Wake yeah. Forest now is placed inside the top four in every event this season with four wins, one second place, one third place, and one fourth place finish. Wow. Let's move on to men's golf. The number 20 Demon Deacons finished third out of 12 teams in the Wake Forest Invitational at Pinehurst. That was hosted by the Demon Deacons. And how about Michael Brennan? You talk about Rachel Kuhn on one side, you got Michael Brennan on the other tied for ninth at eight over par and I mean Jack it's not disappointing ever to see a player go in the top 10 especially in individual performance but for Michael Brennan it's almost an expectation to see him in that top 10 this is the eighth time in 16 career collegiate events that he's placed inside of that top 10 I mean that's insane 
Well, look, I mean, he's like Jewel Spear, right? We always mention his name when we mention mm-hmm. men's golf. And the expectation is that, you know, he, he's perennially in the top 10 in every tournament. And we expect that from him. And he's usually follows up. So he and Alex Fitzpatrick have to lead this team, and they're doing a good job so far. They sure are. Let's move on to men's soccer. Jack, can you tell us a little bit about a fun trip they made? So they made a trip to England over spring break. They played Leicester Leeds, trained at the Manchester City Football Academy, and competed against Salford, Leicester U23s. They won 4 to nothing, and Brentford B, and they won 4 to nothing as well. So two wins mm-hmm. overseas. Pretty impressive. I mean, they, they, have a, they have a little while until, until the spring season kicks off here, but... I mean, they sure look good, the number one recruiting class in the country. So it's really positive news to see. I'm glad they had fun over spring break. Yep, and excuse my pronunciation. Men's basketball, Jake, the dream season was cut short. You know, we had to get to this eventually, right, the bad news. The Demon Deacons continued their struggle in the ACC tournament by with another first-round exit, losing to Boston College in overtime, 82-77. to Jake, we were at that game against Boston College at home where – they won by 30, and, you know, Miles Lester was in at the end of the game, and we were on cloud nine. I mean, it was just it was just effortless against BC. It was just a different team in this game, Jack. It really wasn't. And I don't know what it was. They, they looked nervous out there. They, they shot just 45% from the field, 27% from behind the arc, and 54% from the free throw line. They were 2 for 10 in overtime. I mean, you, you just can't win a game shooting like that. Defensively, they, they played pretty well, but... And it was a back-and-forth game, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, credit to BC. They really had a good defensive game plan coming in against us. They did a great job shutting us down. And one of the things that's so good about our offense is ball movement. And we really that was really shut down by BC, right? I mean, NC State, they played that zone against us. And we were moving the ball around everywhere and hitting those three-point shots. And everyone was just making shots, getting, getting confidence and contributing. That wasn't the case uh, against BC. Um, it was hard to find that shot. And look, it's also it's also the ACC, right? It's a testament to the ACC. Every team has players that can show up any given day and and beat you, right? It's the ACC. Absolutely. So you know it's, it's disappointing, but they've got the NIT coming up and some silver lining though, Jack. I mean, we we, we talked about it, and you'll hear more about it from from Essex there. Uh, in a little bit, but Jake Laravia and Alondez Williams. I mean, those two have obviously transformed this whole team. Laravia kept up his dominance. One of the only bright spots of, of the team in that game. He's put up 21 points and seven rebounds, nine of 13 shooting. And how about Alondez Williams? He, he joined Randolph Childress as the only two Demon Deacons to rank inside the top 15 of the program's single season scoring and assist leaderboard. And, and, and here's another one, Jack. He scored double figures in 31, 31 of Wake Forest's 32 games. I mean, that's that's as consistent as they come for the ACC player of the year. It's incredible. You know, we, we got him from the transfer portal, and, you know, we got him from Oklahoma. I, I don't know if we'll ever have a player like that again we get from the transfer portal. So, testament to Forbes for, for getting him, and just what a player. I'm really going to miss watching him, and, you know, I wish him the best professionally. Well, moving on to women's basketball, a little bit more positive news for them. They answered the ACC tournament as the number 11 seed. Not very high expectations from a team that had a tough season uh, coming off of that tournament berth last year, but they beat Virginia in the first round for the second time this season, 61-53. to Jewel Spear put up 23 points per usual, while Christina Mora added a double-double with 13 points and 10 rebounds. The team shot a perfect 13 for 13 from the free throw wow, line. The men's team could have, could have used that. Fundamentals, baby. <laughs> In game two, the Deeks were outlasted by Georgia Tech, 
number 25th ranked, 45-40. to 40. So tough game for sure, Jake. Um, you know, I mean, we talked about this conference on the women's side, really loaded, right? And you knew you were eventually going to run into someone who was a juggernaut. And, you know, they ran into Georgia Tech, um, a really solid team. And only lost by five points. I mean, really kept it competitive, and that's all you can ask for. You know what stood out to me, too, was the defense from the Deeks in that game. I mean, they forced 19 turnovers. And this is a Georgia Tech team that does not turn the ball over very much, Jack. I mean, they, they shot 37% from the floor, the, the, the Yellow Jackets, that is, and, and just 23% from deep. So a great job defensively. And that's how you win games, especially in the ACC. You clamp down on defense. The Demon Deacons are 5-3 and three in their last three ACC tournament appearances. That, that is the women's team. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a good record, and it's it's a lot more success than the men's side for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, you always love to just see a team that you know, hey, maybe things didn't go great in conference play, but they show up at the end of the year in the ACC tournament. They make the most out of it. They compete. They they win a game, and you know they give it their all, and that's totally what they did, and that's all you can ask from them. Well, they got the NIT yeah. coming up as well, so sure they'll be excited, and then big mm-hmm. things coming next season for sure. Let's move on to women's tennis, 9-5 and five on the year. They were the only tennis team to compete over break. They took part in a trio of conference matches last week in North Carolina. Jack, do you want to tell us about them? Yeah, it was their team's first taste of conference play. They did fall to the number 14-ranked Miami Hurricanes, four sets to three, but they did knock off the Florida State Seminoles, 6-1, to one. so one and one in conference play so far. Against the Hurricanes, doubles pairing of Samantha Martinelli and Casey Wooten picked up their fifth win of the spring campaign. Anna Brillen moved to 8-1 and one in her personal singles record. 8-1. Get, get this, too. The, the win against the Seminoles, that big one, their first since 2017. I mean, they're, they're as hot as any team in, 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 uh, in Fort Wake Forest. Game three was a little bit different for the Deeks, but still positive, a lot of positives to take out of it. They barely lost to number two ranked NC State. Four sets to three. So, yeah, one and two in conference play, and they've got two conference matches coming up this week, so hopefully they can turn it around. The Deeks won the doubles point, becoming just the second to do so against the Wolfpack all year. Number six, Anna Brillen and Brooke Killingsworth captured their first ranked double season victory during the feat. Number 44, Caroline Campana knocked off number nine, Jada Daniel, in three sets. That's a huge Big upset win. win. Good for her on the singles department. Jack, why don't we move on to our weekly previews? we got a lot in store this week. Well, of course, we have men's and women's basketball who are both in the NIT, and we have our very own Essex there to come on and, and talk a little bit about that, so stay tuned. Men's tennis, the number six-ranked Deeks have the weekend off. They will hope to continue their seven-game win streak at Virginia Tech and Virginia on the weekend of March 25th. Women's tennis will continue conference play with a pair of road matches against Georgia Tech on Friday and Clemson on Sunday. Jake, if they win those two matches, they will be above 500 in conference play, so really hope that they can get that done for sure. And track and field, get this, Jack, they'll transition to outdoors. I mean, why not? Enjoy this great summer, spring, summer weather. And they'll kick off the outdoor season by traveling to Charlotte from March 17th to the 19th. Yeah, it has been beautiful around here sure recently, has. Jake, in Winston. Gotta love the Winston weather. Baseball had a bounce-back win against Western Carolina last night, Jake, as we said with Crawford Wade picking up that big win. This weekend, the Deeks are traveling to Atlanta. They will take on number 10-ranked Georgia Tech, a perennially very good program. You know, have some really good players that have came out of that, out of that program. 
and the Yellow Jackets are 14-3 and on the season and undefeated in conference play after sweeping the Virginia Tech Hokies last week. Jake, it's really going to be interesting to see how this starting pitching fares on the road and, you know, how we do in our in our road conference series because that was a weakness of the team last year. Another sure. tough test. I mean, first ACC uh, tournament on the road. We'll have to see if they can keep it going. And Florida State, there was a lot to be happy about there, so we'll, we'll see what they can do. Let's go ahead and move on to the interview with Essex Taylor. <laughs> And welcome back. We have our interview of the week with Essex Thayer from the old Golden Black, a good friend of mine and classmate. Essex, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Thank you, Jack. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I am the sports editor of the old Golden Black here at Wake Forest, the student-run on-campus newspaper, and I'm happy to be here. Well, Essex, you went to the ACC tournament last week in Brooklyn. I'm sure that was an experience. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean, it was an incredible experience, no doubt. Getting up there, getting to see five straight days of basketball was fantastic. Wake Forest, you know, not making it as deep as we all had hoped and, and maybe expected was was incredibly disappointing. But at the end of the day, just getting to have that experience in a journalistic environment, a professional environment that made me feel like I was actually, you know, one of the people doing the job and living the life was was incredibly valuable. And getting to to meet the people that I met, talk and, and make those connections is something that I'll never forget. The entire experience was certainly something I'll never forget. Yeah, I mean there are just so many notable people at that tournament, right? I mean you've got you've got Coach Kane as last year, you've got Jim Bayheim, you've got all these just dynasty coaches who have been so successful over so many years. You know, Jim Laranaga Leonard Hamilton, right, Roy, FSU yes, coach. Right, right. Roy, yeah, Roy's gone. Um, and, you know, and then you've got the players, right? We've got some great player talent in the ACC this year per usual. And, you know, seeing those guys, you're going to look back 10 years and be like, wow, this is really special to see all those guys play. Can you, so. can you tell us, too, about what was going on? I mean, obviously it wasn't the result that we expected and hoped for, but from a Wake fan's perspective, can you just recap this season a little bit, Essex? Obviously you've been around the team a lot. You know – how big of a step forward it was for the program. What would you say, kind of in a, in a few words, encapsulates this season for the team? Ahead of schedule right. is the way that I would characterize this Wake Forest basketball team. I mean, when I was in the program, I was in the program at the end of the spring in 2021, uh, the summer, and then the beginning of this fall. It was blatantly obvious that this team was a lot better than people were giving them credit for. Alondis Williams was going to be a good player, and it sure. looked like that throughout the summer, and it looked like that through the fall. Did I expect him to be the player that he was this year? Absolutely not. You could very well tell Jake Laravia was going to be a very good player, and that this team was going to be very, very good. And so people didn't realize that, especially outside of the program, and I think people didn't believe me when I said, that this team was going to be really, really good. I, I can attest. Yeah. I can attest. <laughs> I remember we were hanging out at the beginning of the school year, and I was like, so tell me a little bit about the squad. And you said, yeah, so we have this guy named Jake LaRavia from Indiana State, and he's going to lead us to the NCAA tournament, and if we don't make the tournament this year, it's a disappointment. And I remember I laughed, and I was like, you're telling me a guy from Indiana State is going to come into the ACC and dominate the ACC and lead us to the tournament. But, but how, how can we blame you, too? I mean, you're coming with a new coach fresh off of a season in which you know, you, winning a single ACC game seemed like a big moment for the team. And so now to, to have that as the expectation, I mean, uh, having our kind of perception change from where we need to win this game to, you know, losing to Miami is, is a frustrating game. You know, if we would have told ourselves that three years ago, you know what I mean? It, it's a totally different outlook. Well, it's a testament to Steve Forbes, no yeah. doubt. He is... The, the perfect coach for Wake Forest, and that's reflected in John Curry 
hiring him and, and then signing him to a long-term contract that's going to keep him and Dave Clawson and Winston-Salem for the next decade. That he is the perfect person to be running this program. He, you can see it in the, in the way that he talks, the way that he coaches, the way that he runs the program, transfers. I mean, completely transforming this program through the addition of four to five players. Mm-hmm. And just in the way that just in the way that he speaks and the way that the program is run, you, you can just see that he cares very deeply about the success of this program. And I think, you know, it's it's reflected in him being the ACC Coach of the Year and John Curry being voted as the National Athletic Director of the Year and, and Dave Clawson being voted as the ACC Coach of the Year in football, that these programs are primed for success. And, you know, as I was saying, Wake Forest being ahead of schedule, while I said, you know, this team should be in the NCAA tournament, I felt that very deeply, Wake Forest was right on the cusp of it. And as I said, it'd be a disappointment. We fell right out, and it was an incredible disappointment. But with that being said, I think Wake is ahead of schedule. It Steve Forbes is in year two of a program that was at the basement of a conference. Yep. and. Didn't really look like they had a future. It was it was a really bad time to be a Wake Forest basketball fan. And so I think if you look at the players we've had, the success we've had, we have put the ACC on notice that Wake Forest is no longer sure. what it once used to be. And I think going into year three, I think there's a lot to hope for. And year three is really where you know it it, it comes down to it for Steve Forbes in this program and because we've we've done we've done what we needed to do. We've proved ourselves, and now it's time to finish the job. And that's going to be another repeat performance in the top five of the ACC. Get to the double bye at top four. Go further in the ACC tournament. You know, get rid of those demons that have plagued this program in the tournament for years. I mean, Boston College won more games in the ACC tournament in one year than we've won in the last eight. Yep. It is, it's a, it's something that's plagued our program. And we were at the, the heartbreak the year before against Notre Dame. We Absolutely. Were, we were there. The game, we watched right? it. Right? Yep. Trey Wirtz hit that game winner for Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really, really frustrating, but, um, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I will say, too, you kind of pivot right into my next question, right, Essex, where a lot of the question marks surrounding this team are you're losing Alondis Williams, most likely, obviously. You're losing Dallas Walton, for sure. How do you replace Kadeem, that too. talent to Kadeem C as well? Yeah, yeah. How, do you, how do you replace that talent and, and then even improve next year? Because this is a team with a lot of chemistry, you know? You absolutely. Yeah, and I think Steve Forbes proved it in year two. There is there is the transfer portal. I mean, he's already, sure. you know, even after the ACC tournament ended and Wake was kind of waiting around to see if they were going to hear their name on Sunday, Steve Forbes didn't stop. He went to work. He started, you know, scouring the transfer portal. Wake has put in a, a lot of good notes with there's a really good transfer coming from the Citadel, another one from Princeton. Wake Forest is in those battles, and they're going to do the same thing that they or attempt to do the same thing that they did last year, which was acquire four to five players that completely transformed the program. Are they going to do that again? Most likely not. Steve Forbes hit gems on every single shot he took, which is unbelievable and astounding. And I don't think it's going to happen again, but there are a lot of pieces that are already in place. And so Forbes doesn't need to hit on as much. He just needs to get a little bit more talent. But if you look at the players that Forbes has brought in, he's bringing in Zach Keller as a recruit. He's got Judah Mintz possibly coming to Wake Forest as a final three player. You've got a lot of the pieces that potentially there's nothing that's been said yet. The only players that we know are leaving right now uh, from a journalist perspective is that Hadim C, Dallas Walton, and Alondis Williams are all going to be leaving the program. Alondis, obviously, for the draft. We could be getting back Jake Laravia, Davian Williamson, Isaiah Musius, 
and a whole host of others where we could have a really, really good starting lineup of Davian, Damari Monsanto, who has been fantastic mm-hmm. for Wake Forest, a revelation coming from East Tennessee State for Forbes. Isaiah Musius, Jake Laravia, Matthew Marsh, who's a current freshman from London, England. That starting lineup could be really, really good in this conference. And so I think Forbes is really, and he's got a lot of great players on the bench too. Rob McRae, Lucas Taylor. Those are all, yeah, Cam Cam Hildreth as well, who really played well down the stretch for Wake Forest. He is a juggernaut. Mm -hmm. He's got all these pieces in place. That shot from Monsanto too, coming together at the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. The pieces are in place. And so I think it really is that year three where it's, you, you've got your time where it's the first two years of the build and Wake Forest did better than expected. Now it's year three, and can we do better ex- than expected on that and make the NCAA tournament? Would you would you call it far-fetched, too, to say if this team can make a strong run in the NIT, we could see more players continuing to stay here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I thought when I – so Christian Ejection, who's our, our men's basketball beat writer at the Old Golden Black, he was also up there in New York with me. One, one of the first things I said to him when I looked at him after we lost, I said, people are going to stay now. And I'd always wondered that, is if there was – if we were going to make the tournament, was there going to be that burn, that fire to to come back and do something? You know, why not leave if, you, if you've accomplished all you can accomplish? Now there's no question. There's way more left on the table. And so I think – there are going to be players that come back. I think Isaiah Musius is going to come back. I, I think that Jake Laravia, even though he's a projected NBA draft pick right now in the second round, he's going to come back. I think Davian will come back as well. And so I think that, you know, the NIT provides a lot to this equation. As we, we were talking about before we, we went on tape, Roy Williams, he took a, a, a UNC team that made NIT in, in a really frustrating year for them. They went to the NIT. They won it all. The next year, they won the entire NCAA tournament. Momentum. Exactly, and I'm not saying that Wake Forest is going to win the NCAA championship, but I think Wake can take a lot. They can go win this NIT, no question. And there's that's, talent there too. Yeah, I mean, there's still Texas A&M, Oklahoma, still yeah. some talent. In the yeah, NIT. absolutely. VCU, who, yeah. we, who we would play if we lost. Yeah, talk the, a, talk a little bit about the roadmap going forward with the NIT for the Deeks. Obviously, we're taking on Towson tonight, hosting them, and then if we move on, we would take on VCU. But yeah, talk and, and bringing the women's too. Talk, talk about absolutely. You know, yeah, so. First on the men's front, I'm very, very excited uh, for this tournament. I think that Wake Forest still has a lot to prove, and from what we've gathered from Steve Forbes, I think he does too. He's not going to be, I think where there might be fears where Wake Forest isn't in the NCAA tournament, they're just going to roll over, call it a season, especially with players who are don't have years left. Like, they have to leave. Like, Alondis has to leave. You would think maybe this could be something where Wake Forest rolls, sure. rolls over and, and it's over. I don't think Wake Forest is going to do that. I think Steve Forbes is the kind of coach where he's going to fight till a bitter end, till the season is fully closed. And so I think Wake Forest really does have a shot. The, the path is incredibly interesting. I'm excited for tonight. We're playing Towson, which is my hometown team. I live yep. two, two minutes away from the campus. I can walk there. I'm incredibly excited to watch that game. And if Wake Forest were to win, which the expectation is most certainly that they do, they would be playing BCU, a team that beat Princeton last evening. Um, and, and BCU is a really, really good team. But yeah, they got some quality. And then, really, going into the quarterfinals, the expectation is that you would probably see Texas A&M. He's sure. a one seed. Mm-hmm. My biggest snub for the NCAA tournament. I, I firm, firmly well. believe that team should have made it. And so I think that they're going to have a lot of fire, too, and they're going to look to prove something. I think they're, they, they, they played very, very well last night against Alcorn State. And I think that that's a team that's got a lot to prove. But I, as I said, I mean, I've been doing some research into it. I made an NIT bracket on our Twitter page. I believe Wake Forest is going to win this entire tournament. I truly do. At the very least, I think they go back to New York 
and they're going to be able to exercise some of those demons that they left in Brooklyn against Boston College. The Final Four is at MSG in New York City, so across town they're not playing in the Barclays Center again, but I think Wake Forest is going to be able to exercise those demons, get back there, and possibly win it. There's some really good teams in this tournament. Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma I think is a good team. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, Virginia, Virginia from the ACC. I have Virginia going to the Final Four of the NIT. I have them beating Oklahoma. Um, Dayton, Xavier, I don't very much so care, care for Xavier, but I think Those they're are all good teams. teams that, that easily could have made the tournament. They were all, yeah, their last four ends. Um, SMU, which Wake Forest would see in the Final Four. And, and at the end of the day, I have a Wake Forest Dayton. Uh, championship game with Wake mm-hmm. coming home with a, a trophy, but it's 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 a lot of opportunity there for the Deeks to go and right. do something. I will say too to add to just the character of Steve Forbes and this team. I mean the fact that after the loss he comes back and and probably knowing the spirits of the students uh, here at Wake, he, he decides to obviously sponsored by the NIT. The the tickets would have had to been paid for by the students and. With, with regards to the students, I mean, it's hard to, to get the motivation to go to an NIT game after losing that tough game to BC. Mm-hmm. Forbes comes out, he pays for, was a 1,000 tickets, yep. right? 1,000 tickets for tonight, free tickets for students out of his pocket as well as uh, the pocket of our athletic director. So, I mean, pretty big there and kind of a statement made. Can, can we switch over to the women's side now, Essex? What, what do you see for, for them possibly on the NIT? Yeah, to be honest, I think this, every game's important, right? But I would not stress the same level of importance for women's basketball in this tournament that I would for men's. I think the men's team has a lot to prove and a future that they really, really need to hit right now. Sure. And women's basketball, they were not a team that was in the NIT. They, a, a team withdrew and Wake Forest was added to the tournament. So they're playing with house money mm-hmm. right now. They, they, can, they can really go do whatever they want. This is experience for this team. Wake Forest women's basketball is one of the youngest teams in the country. Jewel Spear in there. Jewel Spear, the the leading scorer in the ACC. She is a sophomore, and she is on her first year of eligibility. Her freshman year, COVID, that year doesn't exist, technically. So she has played one year of eligibility, and she is the best player for Wake Forest women's basketball. And so there is a lot of time for that team to develop. But Jen Hoover, the head coach, knew that going into the season, it there were expectations that this probably wasn't going to be a very good year, even though Wake Forest made the NCAA tournament last year for their second time in team history. Well, and the conference was loaded. As yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. NC State, Louisville, two of the best teams. In Lost the a lot of seniors last year, too. Yeah, no question. I mean, Ivana uh, Ratza, mm-hmm. she she left as she's in the WNBA now, and Gina Conti, who transferred out as well. So this is they're playing with house money. This is all experience. I think Wake Forest is going to get older and their recruiting has been very, very good. And I think they just need they need it this year. And the NIT is the same way. They, they, they can go play their game. They played with house money in the ACC tournament and did fantastic. Really, really good. And so I think they can do the same thing here. Go play their game, get some experience, and come back next year and try and recreate what Jen Hoover did last year where she was able to take a team to the NCAA tournament for the first time since she was a player mm-hmm. on the team. Me and Jake were talking about at the beginning of the season um, with women's basketball and, you know, throughout the course of the season was improving that conference record, right? Sure. And I think the best way to do it is to get reps in these important high-state they, they ended games. the year strong, too. They they beat Virginia the, the, the second time this year. Then they go and they win the first round. But then they lose only by, what, four points, five points to Georgia Tech, number Very 25 ranked in the country. So, I mean, they held their own to end the year. It's just this momentum, just like we talked about with the men's team. Essex, really appreciate you having on. Uh, your insight in the program is, is really, uh, really meaningful and valuable. So, really appreciate you coming on and uh, looking forward to next season. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.